Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I think the energy in this party is on the left. And I hope that people who are in power in this party realize that and bring us into the fold. Welcome to Deconstructed. I'm Mehdi Hassan. The squad looks like it's set to grow on Capitol Hill. This week saw big, historic wins for progressives in Democratic congressional primaries. More people who have the lived experiences that would inform our policy discussions should be at the table of power, fighting tooth and nail for the things that we say we care about as a Democratic Party. That's Mondaire Jones, the black, gay, Medicare-for-all-supporting son of a single mother, who won a primary in one of the wealthiest congressional districts in the country on Tuesday. He's my guest today. So, how historic a moment are we in? Is the left ascendant in the Democratic Party right now? In just a few hours, voters will head to the polls in New York, Virginia, and Kentucky in a major test for the progressive movement. Several powerful Democratic incumbents are facing challenges from the left. Elliot Engel. 32-year incumbent. He's been there since 1988. He is getting trounced by Jamal Bowman. Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez overwhelmingly won her first primary challenge with more than 70% of the votes. It was a huge night for the New York left on Tuesday. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC, perhaps with the exception of Bernie Sanders, the most famous leftist in this country, and who also happens to drive right-wingers up the wall more than any other woman in America, didn't just win her Democratic primary. She blew away her Wall Street-funded challenger, winning more than three times as many votes as her. So what next for AOC? Well, hopefully causing more trouble in the House and more aneurysms on Fox News over the next couple of years. But come 2022, could we see her primary Senate minority leader and Democratic Party compromiser-in-chief Chuck Schumer in New York? Could she do to Schumer in a Senate primary what she did to Joe Crowley in that now famous House primary in 2018? And come 2024, could we even see an AOC presidential bid? She'll turn 35 the minimum age for the presidency, a month before the November 2024 election, which is almost like a sign. I'm just saying. Now, you might say, Mary, you're getting carried away. But see, I do believe the left has real energy in this country right now. Yes, Bernie Sanders lost the race for the Democratic presidential nomination to Mr. Establishment himself, Joe Biden, but not before he had dispatched more than two dozen other Democratic candidates and not before he had won millions of votes and a fair few races, including California, the biggest primary in the country. Yeah, a self-proclaimed Democratic socialist and independent from Vermont came second in the Democratic presidential race twice in 2016 and again in 2020. Plus, his signature policy, Medicare for All, was backed by a majority or a plurality of Democratic primary voters in almost every state. As Noam Chomsky pointed out to me in a recent Intercept live interview. I don't agree that the Sanders efforts in 2016 and 2020 were a failure. I think they were an enormous success. We should recognize the success 
and yes. build on it. Agreed. And the way to build on it is exactly the way he said in his last words, the movement continues. If it does, candidates will emerge and say, I'm your leader. Perhaps one of those future leaders is among those progressive Democrats who ran amazing insurgent races on Tuesday. In Kentucky, where Amy McGrath, the hand-picked candidate of the Democratic establishment, who was supposed to be a shoe-in for the Democratic Senate nomination there, well, she faced progressive state lawmaker Charles Booker, who became a bit of a star in recent weeks after joining the protests against police brutality and racism while McGrath stayed at home. Booker was endorsed by both Bernie and AOC, and as of right now, at the time of recording of this show, he was down less than 10 points against McGrath. But that's not including results from the state's two largest, most Democratic counties, Jefferson and Fayette, home to Louisville, which includes Booker's own state house district. It's not looking great for McGrath. In New York's 16th congressional district, progressive teacher and activist Jamal Bowman, endorsed by everyone from AOC to Bernie to Elizabeth Warren and backed by Justice Democrats, the group that helped give us AOC to begin with, defeated, or should I say wiped the floor with, 16-term incumbent Democrat Elliot Engel, chair of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, Iraq War supporter, hardcore centrist Democrat. Engel was endorsed by Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, Hillary Clinton, hell, even by the Congressional Black Caucus. No one personifies the Democratic establishment more than Elliot Engel. And he lost to Bowman, who made clear his own progressive politics in a pretty inspiring election night address. Poverty is not a result of children and families who don't work hard. Our children and families work as hard as anyone else. Poverty is by political design and is rooted in a system that has been fractured and corrupt and rotten from its core from the inception of America especially over the last several decades. So poverty and the impact of poverty on our children and dealing with issues of institutional racism and sexism and classism and xenophobia and everything that keeps the majority of us oppressed is what we designed this campaign to fight against. I happened to interview Jamal Bowman earlier this month, again, for an Intercept Live interview, and he was very impressive and didn't shy away from the big bad S-word either. Are you a socialist, people want to know. You, you know, you've been endorsed by AOC and Bernie Sanders, two of the most famous socialists in the country. Yes, I'm, I'm an educator. Uh, it just so happens my policy aligns with socialism, so I guess I'm a socialist. Um, I'm a progressive, uh, left-leaning, uh, someone that fights for human rights. Um, I, I was never big on the label, labels at the beginning of this race, I identify as an educator and as a black man in America. Um, but my policies align with those of a socialist. Uh, so I guess that makes me a socialist. All good. Then there's New York's 17th congressional district, home to Bill and Hillary Clinton, where another 16-term centrist incumbent and Iraq war supporter, Nita Lowy, announced her retirement last October after she was challenged from the left by 33-year-old son of a single mother, black, gay, progressive, ex-Obama Department of Justice lawyer, Mondaire Jones. Jones was then thrown into an open primary race against, among others, a former federal prosecutor who spent more than $4 million of his own money on his candidacy, a former Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense under Obama and cable news favorite, and a prominent New York state senator. Jones, though, had the support of nearly every major progressive politician. Bernie, AOC, Elizabeth Warren, Ayanna Pressley, the Congressional Progressive Caucus, 
And on Tuesday night, while the official result couldn't be declared because of all the mail-in ballots that still need to be counted, it became very clear from his lead that Jones had defeated all of his rivals and is now heading to Congress next January as one of the first two black gay men ever to serve on Capitol Hill, the importance of which he made clear in his unofficial victory speech on Tuesday night. And so this is for Barbara Jordan, that powerful voice in the United States House of Representatives who could not live an authentic life, This is for Bayard Rustin, the architect of the March on Washington, who could not publicly be associated with Martin Luther King because of the scandal of who he loved. This is for Harvey Milk, who literally died as a pioneer for people like me. I am so grateful to the folks on whose shoulders I stand. And I'm delighted to say that man of the moment, Mondaire Jones, joins me now from New York. Mondaire, thanks for coming on Deconstructed. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Congratulations on your big win, though it's, of course, not officially confirmed yet. Uh, Tell me, Mondaire, you're 33 years old. You've never held elected office before. Why did you decide to run for Congress? Yeah, you know, I decided to run for Congress because, for me, policy is personal. I, I grew up in Section 8 housing and on food stamps, and my young single mom still had to work multiple jobs just to put food on the table for us. So when we have these policy discussions at the federal level about the $15 minimum wage being absolutely necessary, uh, that's a need I know to be true based on my personal experience. Uh, And I think we need more people in Congress for whom policy is personal. I think we get better policy outcomes that way. It's the reason why in a crowded Democratic primary, I was still the only person talking about criminal justice reform and policing reform well before uh, the events of the last few weeks with the murder of George Floyd. Uh, And it shouldn't be like that. More people Uh, who have the lived experiences that would inform our policy discussions should be at the table of power, fighting tooth and nail for the things that we say we care about as a Democratic Party. Very well put there. What's fascinating is that you're, as you say, you're from this uh, non-white working class background, son of a single mother, but you went to Harvard Law and you now have managed to win a primary in one of the wealthiest districts in the country, New York 17. Uh, What do you think was the secret to your electoral success there? I think it was speaking with with genuineness uh, and with a message that was compelling, right? One of my opponents uh, obsessed over Russia. Uh, another of my opponents uh, ran on prosecuting Donald Trump, which strangely presumes that Trump gets reelected in the fall, whereas <laughs> I have had a consistent economic message throughout, uh, made even more resonant by COVID-19 in the midst of the economic devastation that we're experiencing right now. Uh, and I do think that people found my life story to be quintessentially the American dream. Uh, and I think, as I've said to other people, that people want to be inspired. This is the United States Congress. People want to uh, be inspired by their member of Congress. And I've said I'm not running just to be one of 435 people. I'm running to provide transformational leadership in American politics. And how much do you think your win and Jamal Bowman's win in the 16th District in New York was a result Also of the moment we're in, COVID-19 disproportionately hitting black and brown communities, Black Lives Matter protesters on the streets, as you mentioned, was this just your moment? You know, the thing is, we were on our way to victory even before the death of George Floyd and the protests nationally. Interesting. Uh, But it is certainly the case that a number of people who perhaps had never given serious consideration to the idea uh, became of the opinion that more people like myself uh, should be allowed to speak 
with moral clarity on the need for racial justice, right? It, that it shouldn't just be Hakeem Jeffries on the House side uh, and Tim Scott and Kamala Harris and Cory Booker on the Senate side, that we need more yes. people who are going to be forceful on that issue. And you and I believe Richie Torres are on course to become the first ever gay black men elected to Congress. How big a deal is that for you and the LGBTQ community, especially um, because parts of the black community, especially the church going black community in the South, like my own Muslim community, is often seen as being rife with homophobia? You know, in the 244-year history of the United States, there has never been an openly gay black member of Congress, a man or woman. And, you know, growing up, poor black and gay uh, in Section 8 housing, if, if I had been able to see someone quite like myself in Congress, it would have been direct evidence of the fact that things really do get better when you get older. For me, that was not true. Uh, but for so many people today, because of uh, my candidacy and the candidacy of my friend, Richie Torres, uh, you know, I know from the, the, the messages that people are sending me on social media platforms well before the events of yesterday, uh, that it is making a difference, that they're telling me young and old uh, that it gives them inspiration to see an openly gay black candidate running for Congress to live their own authentic lives. And I'm happy to provide that representation. You're a big supporter in terms of policy terms of a Green New Deal. Um, but even if Joe Biden wins the presidency, and even if he comes around to backing a Green New Deal, both big ifs, you're still not going to be able to get the Green New Deal bill through Congress, certainly not through the Senate. So a lot of people say, look, there's no point going for the radical option, no matter how justified it is, no matter how necessary it is, if you can't get it into law. People say you're going to have to compromise. What do you say to them? I think that we should not be defeating ourselves before we get to the negotiating table. I think that a Green New Deal uh, in the form of legislation, because of course right now it's a resolution, could pass the Senate if we flip the Senate uh, into democratic control. Uh, but of course, I'd rather get something done than nothing at all. Uh, so let's get to that point when we get there. In the meantime, I'm fighting for the most ambitious thing that we can do, uh, which happens from my perspective to be the necessary thing for us to do. We've got 10 years left, according to this UN IPCC report, uh, before irreparable damage to the planet. We have to mobilize the federal government to decarbonize our economy. And I hope that we can work in concert with other countries to do the same thing globally. Do you apply that same kind of thinking to Medicare for All as well, which is something you support, but again, many in your party see it as a kind of utopian pipe dream. Medicare for All is now a, pain, a mainstream policy view. A majority of the American people support it, uh, and so does my member of Congress. In fact, I was the only person, unfortunately, in my Democratic primary who supported it, and I think voters saw that. I, I, it was a huge part of my message, uh, and I've met a number of people who said, you know what, you're the only person supporting health care as a human right. Uh, you know, because the other mm -hmm. stuff, the other stuff that people are proposing would leave over 10 million people uninsured in this country. So I'm supporting you. Uh, and so I, I think it's going to be increasingly difficult for Democrats who don't support Medicare for all uh, to explain why it is that they don't. Uh, because, of course, we know that Medicare for all would result in cost savings, even as it would insure literally everybody and expand coverage in terms of the things that are insured. You're right. It is a no brainer. Um you're 33 years old. You're going to be one of the youngest members of Congress. How much is the divide in the Democratic Party today more generational even than it is ideological? I mean, there's you and AOC and Ilhan Omar in your 30s. There's Pelosi, Hoyer, Clyburn in their 70s. I think it's mostly ideological. I look at someone like Ed Markey, right? One of the yeah. senior members of Congress in the Senate, the author of 
the Green New Deal, or at least the lead sponsor, I should say, in the Senate. Uh, and so, and, and of course, Bernie Sanders and, and Elizabeth Warren are, um, you know, are seasoned, are seasoned in our politics. And so I, I, I think that this is more about an ideological difference than it is about age. Now, don't get me wrong, disproportionately young people tend to be progressive. Uh, and we tend not to be as patient as other people are as 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 we face these existential and tractable problems, uh, you know, and, and other people who have been around for longer offer modest proposals. Uh, so so I, I think that I think that there is a link there uh, that maybe it's inextricable. Uh, but but really, it is about a belief system. And I'm happy to be a champion for that belief system. As I said last night, it is the idea that government has never worked for everyone. It's only ever worked for a subset of the American people. A lot of people on Capitol Hill in Congress aren't fans of big change. They like small change or no change. Um, Given Nancy Pelosi hasn't had the greatest of relationships with the squad, with AOC and co. She's done a lot of what's called hippie punching, a lot of kind of snarky, sarcastic criticisms of the left, of them. Uh, There's been some tensions between the two sides over the last couple of years. What do you think your relationship with Speaker Pelosi will be in the next Congress, assuming she's still House Speaker next year? I'm going to have a fantastic relationship with Speaker Pelosi, and I'm going to have a fantastic relationship with my colleagues in the caucus. You know, I'm running to get things done, and it doesn't mean that I'm not going to disagree with people in my own party sometimes, uh, but those are going to be disagreements that are respectful, uh, and they're going to be genuine and in earnest, and there's nothing wrong with having policy debates, even among friends, and we can do that in a way where we can all come together at the end, but I'm not going to go to Congress and just be a yes person. That would be a great disservice to people in my district and to the American people. Do you think looking at Jamal Bowman's result, looking at your result, maybe Charles Booker's in Kentucky, we're still waiting on it. uh, Given the fact that your race was an open race between several candidates after Nita Lowy retired, but you'd already challenged Nita Lowy. You were going to primary her had she not retired. Given that result, given the kind of the trend, should incumbent Democrats, establishment Democrats, centrist Democrats, whatever you want to call them, should they be worried now that they're going to be primary from the left, that they're going to lose their seats to the left? I don't think anyone should be worried about losing their job if they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. <laughs> Good answer. I'm not worried about being primaried in the future because I know that I'm going to be the best darn representative that this district has ever seen. Uh, and and more than that, that I'm going to provide the best representation that it could ever have. Uh, and so if someone wants to step up and challenge me, then go at it. I'm not afraid of that. And I think that people who are doing their job should not be afraid of it. I just defeated the son of a billionaire, a senior Defense Department official, a popular New York State Assembly member, a well-known New York State senator, uh, and the list goes on. And so, you know, and I'm a guy who's never held elected office. And so I'm, I'm just really grateful for the fact that I have a message and a character that inspires people uh, and that inspires trust in particular in people. And, and that's that's what I'm going to be when I'm in Congress. And I hope other people will join me in that. So you talk about other people joining you. For some people, this uh, insurgent primary wave from the left, which kicked off, of course, with AOC in 2018, also in New York. It looks to some people like the Democrats' own version of the Tea Party, but from the left. Is that a fair description in your view? No, it's not. I, I think it's a disgusting comparison. And, you know, the, the, the Tea Party and the fringe wing of the Republican Party in general, which has increasingly taken over the party, including the Oval Office, uh, is a 
is a tragedy in American politics. Yes. It is a stain on the fabric of this country. Uh, it is an, a force that actively undermines our moral character as a society. Uh, progressives want to make sure that everyone can live in dignity in the, in the richest nation in the history of the world. Uh, I don't think we ought to be comparing people who want to ensure healthcare as a human right uh, to people who openly embrace white supremacists. I completely agree with you. I think people who make the comparison probably are not talking about the substance. They're talking about the the way in which people who were not dominant within the party came along and started knocking down incumbents. Eric Cantor famously uh, back in, I think, 2014, 2015, when he was defeated by a Tea Party challenger. And I think when you, you, know, when you look at Jamal Bowman, who's just knocked out the chair of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, who's been in Congress for over 30 years, uh, people say, wow, this is unprecedented. Absolutely. Absolutely. And increasingly, I think uh, laypersons are of the view that we need more people like myself and Mr. Bowman in Congress. And I'm really grateful that uh, average people are not taking their cues from Democratic committee members, uh, but rather from uh, from the candidates themselves as they evaluate the differences among what's being offered to them. Did you have a candidate in the presidential race? Did you endorse anyone? I did not endorse anyone, but I've been endorsed by three. (laughs) Elizabeth Warren, Julian Castro, and Bernie Sanders have all endorsed my campaign. A a very good trio to be endorsed by, I'll say. Um, I mean, Bernie Sanders obviously uh, lost in the end to Joe Biden, but he did defeat a fair few big names along the way. Uh, There's a debate now about where the energy is now in the Democratic Party. Is it on the left? Uh, Is it with the moderates? Uh, Where do you think the energy in your party is right now? I think the energy in this party is on the left and I hope that uh, people who uh, are, are in power in this party uh, realize that and bring us into the fold uh, and integrate, integrate us. You know, I mean, uh, Joe, Joe Biden has a real opportunity here. I have tremendous respect for him. I worked in his administration. Uh, he, he has a real opportunity to unite the left uh, so that they can uh, feel inspired to go out to vote for him, right? I mean, it's one thing. Like, obviously, I'm supporting Joe Biden, uh, but there are a lot of people who I, yeah. I, I don't, I can't control how they feel, yes. and, and and they're looking to him to show leadership on any number of areas where the American people certainly feel like he should be more left than he is. If Joe Biden rang you up, Mondaire, and said, "Give me one suggestion based on your own campaign of what I can do to get left wing people, young people inspired behind my candidacy," what would you say to him? I would say start coming out in support of progressive policies. Yeah. Do you think he's going to do it? I think he will. I think these uh, advisory councils or commissions that he's been creating, on which a number of people I have great respect for, including Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal, serve, are um, a testament to his willingness to do that. And and I'm excited to be supporting Vice President Biden uh, in this race. And I really do hope he wins because we can. Donald Trump is existential. Indeed. 100% agree with you, Mondaire. One last question. I know you have to run a very busy week for you. Uh, You've seen what AOC and Ilhan Omar have had to endure. You're a left-wing, black, gay Democrat. Are you ready for the kind of deranged attacks that are going to come your way from the GOP, from Fox News, from the conservative movement? And from members of my own party, perhaps, though I hope not. Uh, I've been fighting my entire life. First, it was against the odds of my upbringing. Uh, and more recently, it is against powerful special interests. And if there's one thing about me, it's that I'm a winner. Uh, so I'm going to bring that winning mentality uh, and that track record of getting results <laughs> and overcoming any of the odds thrown against me over the course of my lifetime. 
Uh, and at the end of the day, we are going to see a change in this country. In fact, we're already seeing it. In my case, it's for the first time in 32 years. And I'm really excited to be part of a movement of people who are not waiting their turn, but instead are stepping out, giving voters a choice and leading on this on these critical issues of our time. Monday Jones, thank you so much for joining me on Deconstructed. Congratulations on your big win. Thank you so much. I look forward to joining you again. That was Mondaire Jones, who should be heading to Congress in January as the unlikely new representative for New York's 17th Congressional District. What a story, what a result. Just before we wrap up, I want to take a brief step back and check in with my colleague Ryan Grimm, the Intercept's DC bureau chief and author of the book We've Got People, from Jesse Jackson to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, The End of Big Money and the Rise of a Movement. Ryan, welcome back to Deconstructed. Always great to be here. Uh, You are an expert, I think it's fair to say, on Democratic Party history and especially the progressive wing of the party. How big a deal, in your view, are these primary results in New York and, of course, Kentucky that we're still waiting on? Put this in some modern historical context for us. I mean, they're, you know, they're new in history. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez in 2018, when she knocked off Joe Crowley, was, you know, really the biggest upset of, a, of an incumbent in a, a generation. You know, you, you pretty much have to go back to the 1970s. You had you had Donna Edwards uh, in Maryland who knocked off uh, Al Wynn in a, con- in a congressional uh, primary about 10 years ago. But other, other than that, you had very little. And, and part of that is circumstances. You know, from 1994 up until 2006, Republicans controlled the House of Representatives. So you didn't have a whole lot of uh, contested Democratic primaries where people were going after incumbents because the incumbents had fine voting records. You know, they just voted against whatever the Republicans were up to. And so it wasn't really until 2006 uh, that Democrats even had a chance to govern in the House of Representatives. And so now you're seeing the response to what a lot of people see as as a failure to govern in a way that Democratic primary voters would, would like to see. Do you see similarities, Ryan, between the Tea Party and their GOP primary challenges five or six years ago and this insurgent left inside the Democratic Party today? Obviously not in substantive terms, the Tea Party are a bunch of racists, but in terms of actually taking on the establishment and winning. Yes, in the sense that that they're winning kind of a similar uh, number of races, but no, in the sense that they don't have the same infrastructure behind them. So the Tea Party once Fox News and the rest of the kind of conservative media organs flipped to become kind of Tea Party vehicles, yes. then you saw all of these other rank and file Republicans say, I don't want to be the next one uh, driven out of Congress by a Tea Party challenger. So I'm joining the Tea Party. I'm now yeah. a Tea Partier. The, <laughs> the left doesn't have that. Now, the left no. does have fear. You know, that, so. Uh, AOC put fear into the House Democratic Caucus that lasted for several months before then they said, well, you know what? This was a fluke. Joe Crowley wasn't prepared. He was out of step with his district. It's not going to happen to me. Well, now then then Lipinski goes down in in Illinois and they say, well, he was really out of step with his district. Uh, And it took Marie Newman two cycles to beat him. Now Elliot Engel's gone down. Uh, Now Mondaire Jones has beaten a a well-funded field of establishment candidates in, in this open primary in a, in a, in a wealthy district. Uh, Maloney, you know, very close to, to going down. And so the, the gymnastics that people are going to have to go through to try to convince themselves that they're safe while all of these other people were vulnerable get a lot more 
complicated, but they still, there's, you still need another push. You still, you know, that, that's why Fox news was so critical to what happened on the right. But if you're an establishment Democrat, kind of moderate centrist, whatever word you want to use, uh, sitting in a, you know, what you thought was a safe seat and you're up for a, a re-election and are up for a primary at some point soon, are you going to be worried? Should you be worried? Right. You want to, you want to stay out of the, the crosshairs at this point. And so then the calculation for a, a rational politician becomes, okay, uh, you know, how do I make sure that I don't get a robust, well-funded primary challenge against me? I mean, the, the obvious things you do are you endorse the Green New Deal, you you co-sponsor Medicare for All, uh, you know, you 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 put out some plan that that goes some distance toward defunding the police. You know, you 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 meet with the groups uh, that are yeah. organized on the left. You ask what they want, and you give them as much as you feel feel like you can. So you you do that, and and you also you know you you lay low in the fights that you pick with the left. Now, Elliot Engel had some high-profile fights that he picked uh, with Ilhan Omar on the, on the Foreign Affairs uh, Committee. Uh, so, you know, people are going to say, well, maybe we don't want to pick fights like that. Like, let, 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 let's just keep some anonymity because the left doesn't have the scale to take on dozens of members of Congress yeah. at a time. They can, they're gonna, they can take they're on gonna, a handful. They're going to pick the really bad ones. Right. They're going to take the really bad, obvious ones. Right. Um, Amy Walter from the Cook Political Report tweeted on Wednesday, quote, before we get carried away on how Kentucky, New York, Virginia Democratic primaries show where the Democratic Party is headed, remember that one, the majority makers, the Democrats who sit in swing seats, uh, sit in suburban, moderate congressional districts. And two, those incumbents did not lose or get significant challenges from their left. That's a fair point, isn't it? That we should all maybe calm down a bit. People should never calm down. What's the point of calming down? <laughs> uh, I mean, look, the, the New York seventeen. Hey, I'm doing a whole show on this subject. Right, that's right. New York seventeen, where Mondaire Jones won. Yes, it's a, it's a blue district, uh, but it is a it's a wealthy suburban district. I think it's the nineteenth wealthiest congressional district in the country. Right, it, it's Chappaqua. You know, there he he now represents Bill and Hillary Clinton in in Congress, <laughs> uh, and so you know if those types of voters uh, can be won over by progressive messaging, and if those districts continue becoming bluer and bluer, then in uh, upcoming primaries you could have progressives start winning in the seats that that Amy Walters uh, is 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 talking about. The difference between now. In 2006, is that when in 2006 when Democrats took the House back, they did it by winning a ton of uh, rural seats with with very conservative uh, Democrats, and those and those seats were kind of trending against them. But it was a wave year, the the, the war, etc. Th- this time, 2018, they won seats in suburban districts that are trending toward them. You know, in other words, they're getting more progressive every couple cycles, and so while it's difficult for a, a left-wing primary challenger to win in a, in a rural district that's, that, that leans Republican, it's going to become much easier for them uh, to, to win in these, uh, in these suburban districts, or the incumbents in those suburban districts are going to have to get more progressive uh, to, to fend them off. So I think Amy is off a little bit there. And that's just talking house races. I mean, the Senate is a whole different ball game. If Charles Booker wins in Kentucky, right, uh, that will be a fascinating data point for all of this. Um, how do you think 
Speaker Nancy Pelosi, who hasn't had the best of relationships with the left, with the squad, with the progressive wing of her party. How do you think she's going to react to Jamal Bowman and Mondaire Jones uh, sitting in the House as part of her caucus? She endorsed Engel, of course, who was defeated by Bowman. How do you think she's going to react? How should she react? Well, I think the two will be brought in differently. I think uh, Mondaire Jones will be welcomed with with open arms. Uh, they'll say, look, the Congressional Progressive Caucus got behind him, Bernie Sanders, AOC, Elizabeth Warren, uh, John Negroponte got behind one of his opponents. Uh, the, the, a lot of kind of deep state money poured, poured in. Yes, a lot of deep state money poured in behind the other opponents. Mondaire Jones won an open primary, fair and square, you know, welcome to uh, the welcome to the Democratic Club. You know, he didn't he didn't knock off an incumbent. Now, he did actually run against an incumbent, Nita Lowy. Yes. Uh, she was the only one in and she announced her retirement and then everybody else flooded in. So uh, there might may be some hard feelings for him even daring to have filed uh, to run against her. But the fact that she resigned means that, you know, he'll 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 be welcomed as a as a member in good standing, you know, obviously on probation for her good behavior, <laughs> you know, whereas uh, Jamal Bowman, you know, A, his connection to Justice Democrats, which is, you know, persona non grata around uh, Capitol Hill for challenging incumbents, uh, and B, for, for knocking off Elliot Engel, you know, somebody who had served, what, 16 terms and, you know, a, cha- a chair- chairman of a major uh, committee, somebody you know known well, one of the senior most Democrats in the caucus. You know he's he's gonna he's gonna face a, a much rougher welcome uh, when he gets in there. You know, but he's now becoming an incumbent, so uh, Pelosi, you know, will will be will be generous rhetorically um, as long as uh, as long as Bowman is is generous in return. You know, the, at the first sign of conflict, you know, you you you've seen her willingness to come at uh, freshman members. Uh, she said in 2018, well, 2019, when she was mocking the squad, she said, what, there's there's four of them. Well, now she'll have to say, well, there's five of them. <laughs> yes. Um, very good point. And I also find it fascinating that this left-wing squad in Congress continues to be uh, not just left-wing, but non-white. So a- mm-hmm. adds a whole complicating factor to the discussion, especially in the current climate, where the discussion over the future of the left is very much intertwined with the future of the politics of race. Um, just before we end, back in the summer of 2019, Ryan, as you well know, a quote-unquote senior Democratic source told Fox News, and I quote, no one is afraid of those nerds, referring to the Justice Democrats and the left more broadly. They don't have the ability to primary anyone. They underestimated the nerds, didn't they? Well, the fact that that person uh, made that quote anonymously you know, <laughs> suggested that they didn't believe what they were saying to begin with. Even and at it, the time. Even at the time. And it wasn't true. Uh, Ocasio-Cortez, at that precise moment in Congress, was getting a, a ton of flack uh, from her colleagues because of Justice Democrats. You know, they, they think that she runs Justice Democrats uh, when, when nothing could be further from the truth. But, you know, any primary that was launched against any member of Congress, the you know, incumbents would blame on Justice Democrats and blame on AOC when really they, they only recruited and ran uh, a handful of candidates. And, and AOC didn't, didn't back Jamal Bowman until... You know, just just a couple of weeks ago. So the, the paranoia on display on, on Capitol Hill completely puts the lie to that quote. And I suspect there's going to be a lot more paranoia when the new Congress gets together in January 2021. Ryan, thanks so much for joining me on Deconstructed. You got it. 
That was Ryan Grimm, the Intercept's DC Bureau Chief, and that's our show. Deconstructed is a production of First Look Media and The Intercept. Our producer is Zach Young. The show was mixed by Brian Pugh. Our theme music was composed by Bart Warshaw. Betsy Reed is The Intercept's editor-in-chief, and I'm Mehdi Hassan. You can follow me on Twitter at Mehdi R. Hassan. If you haven't already, please do subscribe to the show so you can hear it every week. Go to theintercept.com forward slash deconstructed to subscribe from your podcast platform of choice, iPhone, Android, whatever. If you're subscribed already, please do leave us a rating or review. It helps new people find the show. And if you want to give us feedback, email us at podcasts at theintercept.com. Thanks so much. See you next week. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.